as I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, hey. You're listening to the Topic and Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. I have the mighty, three mighty gents with us, uh, with me today. And it is, whenever you're going to hear this, it's it's today in some places, but it's tomorrow elsewhere. And particularly it's tomorrow in, in Australia. And gentlemen, I always kind of, I've been starting with that recently just to kind of indicate that time is somewhat of a, an invention. Uh, and then there's something called eternal time. And I'd like to even call sacred time or even uh, liberation time. So whether it's 19, when did the alpha start again, gentlemen? 1906. Whether it's 1906 or 2023, liberation time is always, I would like to say in vogue. And we're gonna talk about not necessarily a vogue from a fashion standpoint, but what does liberation and integration and academic schools and so-called elite schools and, and our presence here in America uh, mean as, 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 as we kind of w- w- walk this journey of peace, can we create peace on earth, goodwill toward women, uh, children, and men. And p- particularly, we're going to focus on Alpha Phi Alpha, a uh, fraternity that you may or may not be aware of, but you're, we're, we're, I have three gentlemen that's going to kind of bring us up to speed with, what, with their historical legacy, and it's a significant historical legacy. Um, and I guess I want to mention that whether in terms of that 1906 period, just as a as a historical context, I'm always urge people to kind of keep in mind that there, something was going on in the spirit world and the ancestor world and the political world and the economic world between 1900 and 1915. When you think of the fraternities starting, the sorority starting, the urban league starting, Booker T. Washington had his deal going on with the Black Business League. You had Madam J.C. Walker going on with, with her uh, beauty. Uh, we had a lot taking place, the Boule, the, the Alphas, the Fraternities, the Kappas, the Deltas, the you, you name it. And so this is just, uh, it's important for us to remember that in my mind, gentlemen, we're in that same period again. We have our legacy organizations that are that are still in existence, but where are we kind of moving in terms of our our, our pursuit of, of liberation and, and, and liberty for folks that will kind of live two or three or four generations after us. But let's let's take the deep dive historically in terms of 1906. And Al, uh, Al Lucas is going to kind of kick us off and his, uh, his brother's also going to kind of weigh in because they had a chance to do a, I'll say a pre-audition on Mondays at Beinecke uh, last week or so. Uh, and they're going to reference that, that kind of context of, of dissemination. But also we're going to kind of brainstorm and, and add on a part two. So Al, kick us off a little bit and gentlemen, feel free to Kind of introduce yourself and, and and weigh in about why we are why we are here today. Okay, um, so my role is to give you a little bit of context uh, on top of the context that you just gave about what was going on in that era, and I usually like to start off by uh, giving a shout out to those who've been working on publicizing the failure of New Haven's HBCU movement to succeed in getting the first HBCU back in the uh, mid, early mid uh, 1800s. Um, And so 
after that event uh, fails, we then have a civil war in the United States. And after the civil war, we have reconstruction. And what I like to say about these uh, gentlemen that we're talking about is that they're the children of reconstruction. So one of the reasons Mm. that you see so much energy around this is because what they saw was black excellence at its highest level, black congressmen, uh, black senators, black business owners, black Wall Street. So their existence, uh, what they were surrounded by, the manifestation of possibility were actually in right in front of them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so they, they, they had no, no real filter about the possibility that they could achieve what they wanted to achieve. And then, of course, Jim Crow hits. Uh, push, they see all the pushback. And so they end up having to understand that in order to take full advantage of the American dream, they're going to actually have to do some of this stuff on their own and push through. So, um, in, uh, 1906 up in Ithaca, New York, we have some men that are there that are studying. They, um, uh, they had been there for a couple of years, gotten together. Some of them, um, were greatly influenced by the Niagara movement, which happened in Niagara, New York, mm-hmm. not that far mm-hmm. from Ithaca, New York. Um, there was a letter, uh, from W be the voice to young men and uh, a junior Niagara movement that we don't talk about mm. uh, as much as the actual Niagara movement that was going on. And all of these men were potentially influenced by this. Um, of course, this was a day when people actually read. There was no social media. Social media was writing, mm-hmm. newspapers, periodicals, uh, posters, magazines. Uh, and so and those were things that were passed around, information that was shared. So these men uh, who had come from various, mostly HBCUs, uh, but had grown up, some had grown up together, some knew relatives of each other, all got together, uh, were concerned about making sure that they were able to succeed, in this case at Cornell University to start, and got together a social study club, which included everybody that was there, um, all of the black folk that were there to try to make sure that they succeeded in an environment that was not as welcoming as it could be. And as a result of the success that they had, uh, once they decided to institutionalize that as a fraternity, they then decided this is a good model. We should take it to other places. Mm. So off went to Toronto, uh, University of Toronto. They went back down south to Howard and to Virginia, to Virginia Union. Uh, and they went out to Michigan. They went um, to New Haven, Connecticut, Yale University, uh, down to Columbia in New York. And pushed that model in those places, and that's what led to uh, Alpha Phi Alpha being established on those chapters, those chapters of Alpha Phi Alpha being established on those campuses, even before most of the other black Greek organizations were even created. Um, so the one at Yale still started in 1909, mm. uh, and as you know, uh, most of the other black Greek organizations come after that period of time, except for Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority incorporated which came in 1908 but everyone else is after that so uh this chapter that was part of yale university at new haven happened in, before there were even other black mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. letter organizations uh, besides alpha kappa alpha 
Um, and then I'll pitch it over from there to Brother Legend, who has done yeoman's work on those men who were here and, and their involvement in and around Yale and New Haven. Excellent. Excellent. Brother Legend, uh, Mr. L. Lucas has passed the mic to you, and a voice you were hearing was from L. Lucas, who really the leadership of the New Haven Board of Alders in terms of the legislative legislative services and a and a Yale, Yale undergrad. Brother Legend. Yes, yes. Um, thank you for having me uh, as a historian and uh, former um, higher education professional uh, to kind of uh, continue the story uh, about Zeta chapter. It started with an incident um, in New Haven, um, two Negro students who were, who went to a restaurant, asked for, for service for food and was refused on the basis of their color. Mm. And this triggered a national event of this time. All over, there was um, press about this, this, this refusal of service and Little did I know that one of those students was studying uh, to be a lawyer mm. at law school. And mm. with the backing of some of his professors at Yale, uh, along with the support of Booker T. Washington, it, 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 uh, it triggered one, uh, them eventually settling the case because it was like, oh, we, we, we can't compete against this. This mm -hmm. guy is well to resource. He has so many uh, big figures that's backing him. And so uh, they, they ended up uh, settling, out, settling out the case and he won and got damages. But that, um, that case triggered uh, these Black students at New Haven to galvanize, but also um, just across the country and utilizing what was happening at um, Cornell, at, as the genesis, mm. uh, saw this th this connection and this movement that came together. So then you have the establish of Michigan and, and Yale that happened on April 10th, 1909. Mm. Now, um, what I think is fascinating about that particular period while, while they established this chapter was the fact that what does it mean to be a black student in 1909 during that period and establishing this organization at Yale? Mm -hmm. So uh, what I, uh, with further research, it was looking into some of the classes that were taught. And I thought what was so fascinating was uh, you had these specific, it was three classes that uh, uh, courses that, or some of them were requirement based on certain programs that you were in, but uh, things that some of the uh, course descriptions were related to the Negro, the the Negro in connection to crime, immigration, the and liquor, hmm. and I was like, okay, let me be a you know as a scholar, you want to look at this thing objectively. Is there any other courses? Uh, that were taught that was in connection to a group of people, and there wasn't. Uh, and so uh, it was very important to establish this chapter as an organ, as a uh, to organize on Yale's campus and 
and to combat it against this, but also to try to successfully thrive in these types of institutions. Mm -hmm. And uh, as uh, um, as time, oh, actually, I want to at least give honor to the eight individuals that we uh, established this job. Okay, so you have Jefferson Gatherford Ish Jr. Uh, uh, he went to Yale College, 1909, graduated, was affiliated with, uh, he previously went to Talladega College, uh, became president of University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, um, and as a very successful businessman. You have um, Harold Mary Bright Kingsley, graduated from Yale Divinity School, 1911. Mm. Also a graduate of Talladega College, uh, and, uh, became a very uh, prominent uh, uh, preacher. Uh, at one point, I think it was in 1935, he had the largest black church in North America. Mm. Uh, next individual is uh, Dr. Arthur Edward Johnson. Now, uh, Although he he went to medical school and, and uh or Yale Medical School, but he did he he went as a non-graduate student. So he he was never he didn't earn a degree, but he took courses at the time. But affiliated with Howard University, he went on to uh pursue uh being a physician. Um, but he died a little, he died early, he died in um in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um <clears throat> next individual is Dr. Ira McLean Mason mm-hmm. uh, went to Yale College, another HBCU affiliate with Talladega College, Tuskegee Howard. He became a very noted professor in Chicago and a physician uh, there. Uh, there was even talks that they were going to name a street after him. Mm-hmm. I, have to, I wanted to dig a little bit more research to mm-hmm. find uh, on that anecdote about him. Then you have um, Reverend Samuel Richard Morcell, another Yale Divinity graduate. Uh, now, he also, uh, along with pastoring, he became a, a prominent leader in the YMCA. And uh, w- one interesting anecdote about him was that uh, he took on a position in Westchester, um, a YMCA position in Westchester County in New York. And there was this, uh, they wanted to keep the YMCA segregated. Mm. And he said, uh, I, he said, it has to be integrated. Mm-hmm. And it ended up costing him his job. Um, but he did this out of principle because he knew that this was a big shift in terms of the country, in terms of the, the conversation about integration. And so this would this um, received a lot of news during this day. <clears throat> Another uh, another prominent individual, Dr. William Porter Norcom, yes. uh, Yale College, uh, affiliated with Howard University. Uh, and one uh, anecdote about him was uh, he performed one of the, uh, when we think about the conversation about abortion and pro-choice, mm-hmm. uh, he performed a uh, an abortion that, uh, you know, it was safe and everything. But again, when you think about that time period, talk about like the 1920s, 1930s, uh, there was there was trying to attack him for forming this abortion for this lady who needed it. Right, right. And, um, 
Then you have uh, the next individual, Philip Manuel Thorne Jr. Uh, he's the one that started it off. So this is the individual that won the lawsuit and um, went to Yale Law School. Um, he didn't attend any um, HBCUs or we couldn't find any, I couldn't find any uh, specific affiliations with him with that. But when you think of the NAACP, um, the, the specifically the Legal Defense Fund, um, mm -hmm. he's one of the earliest members that, um, that helped shape, um, that particular, um, anchor of the organization. And then, uh, the last individual we have is, uh, Reverend Christopher Herbert Yearwood, uh, went to Yale Divinity School, uh, was a board of trustees of Wilberforce University and, uh, among the eight individuals with him uh, was really unfortunate. He passed away in 1913. So although the chapter was established in 1909, uh, his life ended very tragically much, much earlier, but uh, still any, to know that he was a board of trustees of Wilberforce before his death, mm. that, that shows mm that these these individuals were all of them i mean pioneers everything when we think of it in terms of the mystique of uh what makes the fraternity they exemplify that um and it, it's uh this particular history actually uh is not even referenced in our um our fraternity history book and uh this past Monday, this was the first time introducing these mm. individuals to Yale University, but also to the fraternity. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so it, it was really important to make sure that we can honor these eight individuals. Uh, and uh, as because these are the earliest members of the fraternity, not just yes. to help establish Zeta chapter, but the earliest members of the fraternity. Mm -hmm. and, uh, this uh, is just a significant moment. And I think um, to uh, highlight them, to honor them and, um, and to observe and recognize them. Uh, and uh, we hope to see more research uh, that centers uh, black voices in these spaces and making sure it's aftermath of everything that's going on with affirmative action and <laughs> uh, we can't talk about race in the admission selection process but then what does it mean in terms of our contributions at these elite institutions fantastic and this is one of them <laughs> fantastic and and i say i February will be a great month, whether you want to call it Black History Month or African Genesis Month, but I hate the fact that sometimes, sometimes we get segregated into just that one 28, 29-day focus versus the 24-7-365 reality of our existence. D Dr. White, let, let, let's bring you in a little bit here. Uh, you're, in addition to keeping the New Haven school system kind of afloat and, and seeking quality from an instructional standpoint, uh, you're also a proud member of Alpha Phi Alpha, so uh, share with us what, what, what you've heard your two brethren to talk about. Sure. Uh, so for me, of course, hearing all of Latif's research, as well as being part of this chapter, has always been a source of pride. Uh, through the fraternity, that was the ultimate entry point in doing work in New Haven. Um, 
doing, getting involved in activities, working at the Q House when I was in undergrad at Yale. All of that was connected through the fraternity, which the goals of it are to build uh, build a strong brotherhood to serve community. So mm -hmm. uh, in doing that, I've had that experience. It's connected me th through the years to the current undergrads on campus, going back all the way through the years that I've been in school long since out. But it is a bond that connects people that I would, in no other circumstance, would I necessarily know someone who's graduating this year. I I just had my 30th college reunion. So mm. there's nothing that would connect across that, but connecting with these brothers, uh, it's as seamless as family uh, connecting across these years. And I think it's it's important, especially as we are the oldest Black student organization on Yale's campus, Mm -hmm. to continue to engage in that, uh, the expenses of helping to establish that the house, the AFM Cultural Center, all of those things come out of this experience and being, uh, like I said, for me, it helped begin my citizenship mm -hmm. in New Haven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the, the three of you, just, just looking at you and hearing uh, Latif's kind of context and Al's uh, referencing really you hear this term great migration whatever period you want to think of the great migration we've been migrating for <laughs> since 1619 or before you bring in the, the the Spanish history uh so the our migration movements have certainly been been, been fascinating uh Latif take me back just briefly to the I want to, to emphasize you know, to share again that it was birthed out of protest that that yeah. our, you, you hear about uh Nat Turner and then Mark Vesey, and even I like to re re reference people to kind of I, I throw out the word David Walker to folks, and they'll say who, and I say, well, just, just look them up. Uh, but we've been protesting on a large scale, a small scale, and some people say protesting has been uh, ineffective, but on the contrary, you guess it's it, it's it's part of our legacy, and there are some successes. Uh, do you do, the the location in New Haven is a possible? You know, I doubt whether that store is still or that restaurant is still still standing. But do you, has your research proven where what 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 block or what part of New Haven it might? Have, I'm just thinking, Al and and Paul, if some sort of plaque or something needs to be needs to be put up in that in that location to the extent that we could identify it. Yes, oh, so that's a very good question. Um, the restaurant uh, is called the Grinning Brothers. Um, I don't think that restaurant exists anymore. Uh, however, I, I would say that in terms of protests uh, and in connection with uh, how it, what galvanized to establish a chapter uh, for the 114 year history has been a central thing. When you think about the 19, 1960s and Dr. Mm. Uh, uh, Paul White, he, he, he mentioned this, the African-American Cultural Center, mm. studies, mm. BSET, okay? This all came from a period of Let's organize, let's come together. Mm -hmm. Now these are major pillars within the Yale community. Not just black community, like Yale community. We know the Atham House, we know. And, and, and to, to know these things uh, that Zeta chapter had a hand in, in leading in, in, that, in that movement um, and, and continues to do so mm -hmm. uh, throughout from uh, another Zeta chapter alum. Um, John, uh, John, John Kenneth Johnson, who helped establish, recognize Brother Martin Luther King's day 
Yale mm. University, right? Mm. And, and so to and that was that happened in two thousand one. Mm. So, so it is something of, about us as a people coming together, organizing, and creating change, uh, but a lasting change that still exists. Uh, I think is the hallmark of not just the fraternity, but definitely this chapter. Excellent. And, and let's, we have about 40 minutes or so, everyone. So let's just, as the spirit moves us, but but uh, Al, br Brother Lucas, I'm going to ask you a question that I've posed to you prior, sometimes in, in private and just in casual conversation, but I've just admired and been uh, admired, bemused, and actually sometimes jealous about your continued three to four decade commitment to working with youth and the young the young people on campus. Talk to me about what, what's kind of inspired you to remain just so involved and passing on. We may have some wisdom, we may have some ignorance, but even whatever whatever we have to pass pass on, the students can learn from it. So uh, share with me what, what's kind of a sparked your, your your commitment, your your I'll say your your diligence to kind of being in the midst of the young people for really, and I'm not trying to put you on blast, but at least three decades after graduation. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we all have our callings. I think that's uh, that that happens to be one of mine, um, brother legend. What what is the um, what is the inscription in the history book? What is it? What is who the, the, is the, the history book dedicated to? The, the development of well, co the development of Negro youth, <laughs> the youth who march onward and upward toward the light. Mm -hmm. There you go. Actually dedicated. Right. So, so even in um, choosing um, the this organization, uh, part of that part of that process for me was always about the fact that in its DNA is a focus on development of younger people into leaders. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, it's it's something I've been doing my whole life. Um, and I get great pleasure out of it. Uh, so, but yeah, and then bringing other people into it and along with it has been a great experience. Um, because I grew up in New York City, coming to New Haven was not like coming any place unfamiliar to me. So it was a relatively easy and seamless transition to walk off campus into the community and start working with young people. Um, but it also was facilitated by the fact that the organization, this particular organization, has a very big focus on doing community work, and especially with young black men. Mm. And so um, that was a nice little piece of uh, harmony between uh, something I was already interested in and finding an organization that also was around to be supportive of it. So, um, you know, now, like you said, I've been doing it for a long time. So now I get fathers and, uh, and, and, uh, uh kids who are, who tell me that I mentored their fathers, uh, <laughs> stopping me in, in various places. So it's, uh, it's great to see. And, uh, I think it's just part of what, part of what my core, uh, you know, just part of, part of what my core philosophy about being valuable, uh, as you would say, uh, the great quote about uh, uh, service is the rent we pay for the space we take mm -hmm. on the planet, right? So mm -hmm. um, we all choose to do it in different ways. That just happens to be uh, one of the ways that I've been able to 
to actually be able to use the talents and skills I have to help other people along. Well, sh shout out to you and 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 shout out to all all three of you gentlemen and and to all the members of of your of your your fraternity. Just just wondered, and again, let's kind of freelance for a second. In terms of your uh, have you had a chance to present yet to your national organization or you, you referenced Latif that some of this information you've uncovered is really kind of, kind of pristine and, and new, so to speak. I mean, uh, I just wonder whether you've had a chance to kind of share whether your, your upcoming uh, annual meeting, I, I don't recall the name, what you call you guys, your, your annual meeting, but if you had a chance, yes. your, your convention, whether you had a chance to present there or. Yes, actually. So um I received backing from the highest levels of our fraternity in terms of my scholarship uh, as it relates to Zeta chapter. They are 100% support. Uh, this is, um, it, it, it meant a lot because this is, we're talking about this type of history that's going to now, we have to rethink in some ways how we make sure that these guys are included in our history book. Mm -hmm. But the uh, from our uh, general president to our general historian, and specifically the general historian is the uh, uh, the authority in terms of determining historical events. Uh, as uh, actually excited um, uh, about this um, this particular history, and gave me the critical support in terms of even before presenting to Yale mm. that. Like yes, we're recognizing our members and 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 this and recognizing this aspect of the history. So, uh, we're looking forward to having greater conversations, um, not just even about these individuals, but also just some of the earlier records, uh, mm. some of our members. Because again, you know, during that period. Um, in terms of record keeping, I mean, it's just it was just a different time, right? Right. So we want to make sure that uh, all of our members are are represented um, and recognized and deserved, so we can have more moments like what we just had at Yale. Uh, um, and uh, so th there's definitely uh, uh, a movement within the fraternity to ensure that we uh, recognize all of our brothers. Let's uh, let, let's refer. I want to reference one of your um, more well-known uh, brothers in terms of MLK. Would say where 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 do we go from here, gentlemen? Let's talk. Let's spend five or ten minutes about where, where do we where do we go from here? People can sometimes criticize fraternities, sororities, and so-called elite groups, uh, but you, it's it's clear that you, that, that the context and your historical DNA, is, as as has mentioned, is is super strong. But just just some some thoughts about where do we go from here and how you might be involved individually in, in crafting that 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 liberation future for uh, for future generations. So I know it's really a metaphorical and very broad question, but I want to give us a chance to kind of if, if, if the spirit moves you to kind of uh, respond to that to, to that thought stream. I'll jump in Um where we go from here is continuing uh, to create these spaces where there's knowledge so much of Black history gets shrouded in various ways. So this is opportunity to share pieces that become local history. Mm -hmm. uh, during, during the conversation uh, this past Monday, uh, we were able, uh, a couple relatives, descendants of those men were on, on the call too. So again, mm -hmm. 
it's not that this is just 116 years or 14 years ago. This is experiences connected to New Havenders today, mm. which, which in the broader sense is connection to New Haven history. And as we always have the contentious relationships at times between Yale and the university and the black spaces of New Haven and black spaces at Yale, these are is to show how blacks at Yale have had this space and have been created the space. Of course, we know about Dr. Boucher and being the first to receive the PhD, first African-American to see, and that's fantastic. And it's, again, part of building of the legacy that we have. This is another, another link in that chain of the history that ties African-Americans to the experience of Yale and New Haven and needs to be shared so that we continue that what people have done because this is a community built and found uh, the basis of which where everyone is tied to the history. The, mm -hmm. We know how proud everyone is if they put, uh, attended Hill House High School. It is mm -hmm. one of the things you find out for us or well for cross. This is another link of that historical connection within this community. Excellent. Brother Lucas. Yeah, I'll follow. I'll jump on there. Speaking of Hill House High School, so one of our chapter alum is Levi Jackson, who was captain of the Yale, first black captain of the Yale football team and a proud Hill House High School alum. Um, Levi Jackson at Yale was um, voted to be the captain of the football team um, almost unanimously. There was only one vote that was not for him. Mm -hmm. It happened to be his own vote. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, you know, we're humble. We're humble. Uh, but the uh, uh, Belford v. Lawson, who we name our oratorical contest and one of our past general presidents, was director of the Q House um, in New Haven. Um, and so as the Q House of Centennial comes on, when you talk about where we go from here, mm -hmm. you'll start to hear some of the connections. As in, the, in 2024, we're going to be focusing on the Q House's centennial year. Perfect, so perfect. start to be hearing some of those connections uh brother legend referenced the afro-american studies program and the uh black student alliance at yale and the afro-american cultural center and mentioned that the zeta chapter brothers had a hand in that that's so again him being a little modest uh it was only it was all zeta chapter brothers um at the time <laughs> that were doing that because they were the black men that were on campus at the time um and it was an all-male institution and so it was them that that were doing that and their picture pictures hang in the FM House now. So in terms of where we go from here, I think it's very clear to us, as I said, um, as I've said in the past, that we understand that our role is significant to the development of leaders in the in the world and the and moving the world forward mm -hmm. on, on behalf of those who've been left behind. Um, and we know that the history of the world, the history of uh, the United States, the history of Connecticut, the history of New Haven, the history of Yale University can't be told without um, Alpha Phi Alpha's involvement being uh, recognized. So we want to continue that legacy uh, and not just focus on past accomplishments, but continue to make sure we go be, uh, above and beyond going forward. Excellent. Excellent. Latif, any thoughts in that regard? Additional ones? Yeah, no, I, I think it's, um, I think where do we go from here is as, as these historic Black institutions begin to 
uh, unearth these histories and members. Um, I think it's you're going to see it, how it influences um, other institutions. You're mm. like like Yale, like mm. Harvard, mm. Um, like Cornell, uh, to also uh, recognize and observe these individuals. Uh, you know, I, I I'm reminded of uh, in 1909. I mean, 2009. Mm -hmm. so, right, that's our centennial year, and. Uh, one of our chapter brothers, uh, Jeremy Harp, who wrote a piece talk celebrating our hundred years, but we was like, where's Yale at? Mm. And so I think that th there is something to uh, see in terms of uh, the institutions beginning to um, really explore, acknowledge some of these, these great individuals, great yes. entities that have been a pillar to these institutions so i see where i see where we're going from there is seeing this influence of other institutions uh being uh motivated yeah. by what's going on with some of these institutions like alpha phi alpha mm -hmm. other mm -hmm. that matter mm -hmm. gentlemen and again hopefully you, you'll allow me to, to 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 brand you as the, the the three mighty gents for the moment but but with latif with your being involved with higher education on uh, out there in the West Coast at Stanford and and L uh, again just thinking about you being involved with with students at every level at Yale and, and in, in the community for, for for several decades and and Paul with your being involved with students at Waterbury and in Bridgeport uh, and Paul I'm not trying to put you on the spot by this question so you, you have your your, your brother to kind of protect you but from a from a curriculum educational standpoint and L you mentioned Hill House High School what, what are some of the challenges? And again, just looking for some general thoughts about influencing and or improving the, 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 the high school curriculums, given the strategic position that Paul you hold and Al you hold as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a mentor and, and, and wise advisor here in New Haven. And, and just, you know, your, your alpha um, uh, membership is so broad and, and so many significant educators are members of the fraternity. I was just wondering in general, uh, Paul, to give you a chance to kind of comment about the opportunities to, if not influence curriculum, changing curriculum, improve curriculum. I think I, I've laid my cards on the table. <laughs> no, well, I think uh, it's, a, it's a moment of great opportunity, uh, particularly with the state requiring Black and Latinx studies to be taught in all high schools. Again, it's a, there are a lot of intersection points of this. It's the same way at the National African American Museum in D.C., there is a segment that is dedicated to the Greek letter organizations commonly called the Divine Nine, mm -hmm. uh, which are the nine uh, historically Black Greek letter organizations. It's the same way that as we talk about these courses and social movements and connections, there there is a place to talk about these organizations, but also the, the contributions that have been made, what, what the future holds, and the spaces to do that. Uh, kids know uh, many of our schools have drill teams, step teams. They they see that social media has connected a, a lot of to these experiences. And so there's a place, and going back to uh, what Brother Legend has done, there's a way to connect that to New Havenders, mm. particularly. So you see that you 
you see a Hill House Glad did that. You see someone from Wilbur Foss did this. And the connection, and like I said, it's not just our distant past, but uh, our modern history as well. And that, so that's a great connection point, both from the civic standpoint, but also from the general African-American Latinx perspective as well. So, so are there are there any opportunities to to directly impact the the courses that are taught taken, or maybe Paul elaborate on the the uh, my mind goes to Senator Doug McCrory and, and your efforts and other efforts to to make this uh, option up, but it's it's optional in terms of uh, you know I guess the, the black studies it's not mandatory, but it's it's it's, oh, it's no it's required it's a required course that it by next year will be a required course required, in all okay. high in all high schools so. Uh, there's no uh, defined coursework in it. So, so there's room for development in this. What does that look like? There are standards, and, but the curricula will vary from district to district. And like I say, in New Haven, uh, I see there's an opportunity Good. to have include the local historical perspective in that as well. Excellent. Brother Lucas, so any thoughts? Any thoughts in that regard? Yeah, let me jump in on that too. Yeah, well, two things. One is um, a lot of it is is infusion um, and immersion in New Haven because most of the high-level Black administrators in New Haven belong to these organizations. So it's happening in the system just just you know um, just by showing up to school. Mm -hmm. um, on the at the same time at the next level. Uh, David uh, uh, Prosper over at the University of New Haven, a proud member of Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity, you can appreciate that, is over there uh, running classes. Uh, he actually has a class as part of the curriculum over there on the Divine Nine uh, that he's now done, I think, for the last three semesters uh, that he has students in. So it is becoming uh, something that is working its way into curriculums and various iterations mm -hmm. um and then uh and so we find creative ways to do it there was just a big college fair in new haven we had 600 of the public school students come through um and at that event we made sure that the black greek letter organizations including ours were uh featured and present uh, many of our students are aware that these organizations exist and even asked the counselors from the various colleges if these organizations exist because that impacts their interest mm -hmm. in whether they want to go there or not. Mm -hmm. um, several of them, just as a footnote, uh, several of them got automatic acceptances that day. So kudos to our local students who have been automatically accepted to various colleges that day. Um, and the ones that they're going to choose are going to be ones that have historically black fraternities and sororities on them. Excellent. Brother Latif? Yeah, no. Um, and I, I will say with the aftermath of what's happening with affirmative action uh, in the admission circles, uh, you're, you're going to see more push in terms of what the students are having to say hmm. about the connection, whether it's through legacy, whether it's through the various uh, mentorship programs or scholarship opportunities that the many of the Divine Nine organizations have in developing the youth. So you're going to see, yes, they can't check a box to say, hey, I have 
I am black or I'm African American, but you will see it in other aspects of the applications, whether it's through their uh, extracurricular activities, whether it's in, through their personal essays. That um, so we're we're going to see uh, a different dynamic um, in terms of how they show up in these um, admissions applications, and then also how admissions professionals will be responding um, uh, to the way these students are showing up um, during this post-affirmative action space. Mm. Uh, about eight more minutes, gentlemen. So what's what's on your minds, spirit and body and, and soul-wise as we kind of engage one another for these remaining, remaining nine minutes? Well, I think, um, you know, this, this, all of this issue that's happening to the college presidents of these elite institutions, many of them who are either women or um, uh, people of color or both, um, is something that there needs to be heightened engagement from our organizations and organizations such as ours on. Um, the, they have been uh, made targets for something that they um, that they have not taken any negative um, negative movement in. You know, these answered some questions to a congressional hearing, and and now they're being uh, asked to resign from their various seats. And I think the Harvard faculty came out relatively strong and uh, behind uh, their president. The board of uh, governors there has been relatively silent on this on this one. Um, Penn obviously went totally in the opposite direction and uh, forced their president to resign. And then MIT, their board of trustees came out very strongly in backing their particular president. Uh, but I think this is an opportunity for organizations like ours to, to really stand up because without these organizations and without an act focus on inclusion uh, and a focus on being open to have conversations and, over, uh, uh, and open it, opening people's eyes the, the the place that we have on these campuses um, mm. is not is not really uh, is not really being taking advantage of the, the the presence that we have and the history that we have mm -hmm. and the connection that we have. So um, I, I think there's an opportunity for these organizations to step up and and really have a conversation back and and our members who are in Congress to talk to their fellow Congress people um, about that. Indeed. Brother Legend? Yeah, no, I actually echo the sentiments of uh, Brother Lucas on this. You know, the Divine Nine, uh, these have some credible um, pioneers, right? From your Martin Luther King's. How many Martin Luther King institutes are at these various institutions, right? To uh, when you think of Charlie Chisholm, Rosa Parks, all these notable figures that we we celebrate and uh, within these various um, institutions, but taking the lessons from them, right? Mm -hmm. yes. You know, Martin Luther King have gave us a blueprint. Thurgood Marshall has given us a blueprint. Frederick Douglass. So I think it, it's it it will be uh, for many of these prominent institutions. Um, to engage with um, the divine nine on, on these matters, 
to help ease the um one try to ease some of the polarizations that's going yes. on in the country um but then two figuring out uh solutions uh that can help uh move the conversation forward right uh because right now um the tensions are very high mm -hmm. and all it all it takes is one word one slip up <laughs> and you know you're you're the enemy right <laughs> um and so I think having having these engagements with these historic organizations like the NAACP, like the Urban League, I, I think is will will help many of these institutions and in how they navigate these conversations because it's not just what's going on um, in the Middle East, but it's what's going on in America. That's um, right. And, and and so I think that if um, if more engagement with these historic institutions. I think there's a lot of lessons that we can glean from this, but also guidance in how we can move forward to have a more inclusive, diverse, uh, belonging community that many of these institutions uh, boast and ascribe. Dr. Paul White, I should say neighbor, you're around the corner, <laughs> around the corner from one another. Yes. What are your thoughts in this regard as we wind down? Uh, absolutely. Uh, we need, uh, a space for dialogue and to hear uh, dissenting voices, because that's the only way we've ever advanced is through dialogue and hearing other sides and hearing hearing all voices in situations so that uh, we can move forward. Uh, the engagement, understanding, all of those things, because there are so many issues in our nation that have to be dealt with and addressed um, as well as internationally. So it really is about uh, creating the space for dialogue to have difficult conversations. Let's, I, I wanna give everyone the, kind of a minute or so for the last word as we kind of wind down. And I'll throw out, uh, Brother Al, you mentioned about the, the Negro youth and I, I, I'm always amused how we've gone from Negro to African, African-American to Mestizo to when you, you, you name it, Creole. Uh, so our, our identity has always been subject to, uh, to, to, to media's manipulation. But in terms of youth, I want to get, ask the three of you to kind of uh, take a minute or so and just address what do you want to say to our, our young folks these days about their future and what, what kind of encouragement or thoughts or even challenges might you want to propose, propose to them? Because truly, uh, not to get too personal, I think, Latif, you're a little younger than the, than the, the rest of us, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Paul and and uh, uh, Al and myself, we're you know we're if we're not in the winter of our life, we're, we're we, we we hope to have, but but I think I think you get my drift. But what what did the three of you want to say to uh, some of the young folks? Because uh, I share I will we'll share this show widely with with folks, particularly young young people um, that are just emerging in terms of their identity and their inspiration and their and their psychic mental stability, et cetera. Uh, Brother Al, I'll start to you and then Latif and then Paul, I'll give you the last word. Uh, what I what I, what I say to them are two things. One is uh, all the great names, all the great people that you hear about, all the people that there are statues for and monuments for and plaques about and books about, they all started out just like you. They were, they sat in the same classrooms, the same high schools. Um, they didn't like certain classes. They were annoyed about certain things. They had their first job, just like you did. 
Um, and so understand that you're you're on the same trajectory and path that they're on. Um, and eventually somebody's going to be writing books and monuments and plaques and all those things um, about you. Um, and, but I followed it up by saying if you look at when their greatness uh, is celebrated or begins to be celebrated, it's after preparation. Hmm. Uh, there's a sense of uh, 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 there's a sense that a lot of these things happen overnight. Like you know, Dr. King was born, and all of a sudden he was <laughs> running a bus boycott. Um, and so there's, and then he was given a speech, and then he got killed. Um, but he, you know, but he had a dream before he got killed, right? So um, we, I, I just emphasize that to them that they look at these folks. Just prepare yourselves for the greatness that is. Uh, de- your destiny. Mm. Mm. Latif? I will say that, um, and I say this to plenty of you to this very day, excellence can never be denied or suppressed. Um, and, you know, it takes a village, right? Uh, it, 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 as uh, Brother Lucas said, you hear, when you think of Martin Luther King, it's like he's born and next thing you know, he's this civil rights legend. No, it, it was a community, right? It was the teachers. It was the the lady in the church that oh. you pulled them to the side. It was oh. the it was the um, it, it's it's basically it's this amalgamation of people that want to see you succeed. Oh. And one, it's okay to ask for help. Okay, you don't have to be Superman or Superwoman or Super whoever. Just just receive the help so then you can be that super individual whatever you want to be and that uh it, it, that's when you when you look at these notable figures from you know that we just uh, mentioned it came from this community of people that wanting to help see you mm. reach your greatness mm. and reach your excellence and 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 believe me once you get there it can never be denied Never be suppressed. Mm. And, and Paul, I want to just, uh, before I ask you to speak, just occurred to me that uh, with your background with, with uh, in Waterbury and then Bridgeport with, with a, I wouldn't say a private school movement, but you've been on the public and, and private sector about in terms of educational experience. Ex, I won't say educational experiments, just various ways of, of finding and instituting educational quality. So maybe incorporate some of that too, in terms of as you as you give your give your closing closing remarks, because I think there's so many ways for folks to to uh, exactly yeah. I, I would say well, what I say to youth and frequently, uh, thankfully, get the, to experience have time with them every day is really about the hard work is worth it. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going to take some time to get done. But put in the effort. Don't give up on yourself. Uh, you can get to the dreams you have. Uh, don't take the quick way out. It's not. Uh, it's not worth it. There are lots of things that appear to be an easy, easy ways to get money, sometimes fame, that. But it's not. Those aren't. Those are fleeting. You have to work on things to build who you are and build your brand. Build who you are going to be. So that when people hear your name, they say, oh, that's a good guy. That's a good person. That's a great woman. And know that uh, you you are introduced by your deeds as opposed to trying to figure out who you are. 
And that comes from across all educational spectrums, charter schools, uh, traditional public schools, private schools. It's really about how you develop the character of the individuals attending these schools. Excellent. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you so much. That's that's kind of a wrap, as they say, in this, this particular <laughs> forum. But uh, Latif, you've teased me in, in terms of the Divinity School connection. So I'm going to follow up with you in that regard and make sure that the folks at the Yale Divinity School are aware of of this really uh, important seminal uh, activity from the Alpha Phi Alpha uh, legend <laughs> and, 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 and that they uh, perhaps incorporated very soon. So I'll reach out to you, quite frankly, probably tomorrow. Gentlemen, thank you so much for everything, man. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at devoiding myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment, you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, hey. You're listening to the Tom Thicken Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio.